Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. We're now nearly a month into the horror, which has been unleashed in Israel and Gaza, first beginning with the atrocities on the 7th of October, and now the horrendous onslaught against Gaza by Israel, which has killed now approaching 10,000 people, um, including approaching 4,000 children, um, as well as a humanitarian catastrophe in the making. And there have been protests ever since this begun, um, which have got bigger and bigger. But there's a huge backlash which has mounted against them, including the likes of Suella Braverman, our Home Secretary, uh, denouncing them as hate marches, and others saying that they are threatening the Jewish community and even calling them for them to be banned. Now, I want to talk to the brilliant M. Hilton, who is a lefty Jewish organiser extraordinaire, UK Director of Diaspora Alliance, involved all sorts of brilliant movements, like NAMOD, for example. Hello, M. How you doing? Hi, great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Just firstly, so I just want to say that takes so the likes of Sorella Braverman are saying these are hate marches. So that includes the half a million who marched last Saturday, uh, that these are threatening the Jewish community and therefore actually some are arguing for them to be banned altogether. What, what, what's your kind of general response to that? Uh, well, I, honestly, I think it's a pretty appalling response to what we are seeing as a real mobilization um, of people around the UK and around the world in support of Palestinian human rights. And deriding that as anti-Semitic inherently or that these are attacks on Jewish communities is not only wrong, um, but I think it's very like completely sort of missing the fact that there are also like lots and lots of Jewish people who are sort of taking part in these marches. There's been lots of Jewish people for decades who've been working to support um, sort of Palestinian liberation, because we see that Palestinian liberation and Jewish liberation are inherently linked. And what the remarks that Suella Braveman and others are making is that they are trying to create this competition between Jewish safety and with Palestinian liberation. And these, are, this is not competition. Um, actually, these things are interconnected. Um, but it's also very concerning to sort of see the sort of actual concerns that a lot of Jewish people have in this moment, because obviously, when things do t happen in Gaza and in Israel, in Palestine, often there are repercussions in diaspora. So there, there is a rise in anti-Semitism. We're also seeing a rise in Islamophobia and anti-Arab racism too. Um, so to sort of instrumentalize those actual concerns that people have to sort of silence at this moment and sort of slander, you know, hundreds of thousands of people who are taking to the streets because they care about human rights, not because they want to attack Jews is disgraceful, frankly. I'll just give some, some more examples. because We've seen these mass demonstrations which have been organized by a range of organizations um each saturday but there have been other protests including uh, the tradition of peaceful civil disobedience so let's just see a quick clip uh, from liverpool street when a flash mob turned up and you can hear what happened <laughs> Now,
Now, one public figure, I'm not going to start naming these public figures. I don't want you to get into a war of words, world, words with random public figures because of me. Uh, but one public figure suggested that this would be threatening to Jewish commuters. Um, Simon Sharma, again, you don't have to respond to him directly, but he said he thought the chant was into Fada. It was actually ceasefire now. No biggie. Easily done. Um, another public figure I'm not going to name um, thought um, it said jihad. Jihad now. Uh, they deleted the tweet. Um, now, actually, I mean, there were, there were Jewish activists at the centre of organising that. But, I mean, firstly, I mean, what's your, just, I, I, your take on those sorts of responses? I mean, people are hearing things which are not actually being chanted at all there. I mean, I think this is just a very age-old strategy, which is trying to sort of attack and silence Palestinian, like solidarity with Palestinians and Palestinian activism with accusations, uh, false accusations of anti-Semitism. Um, you know, we, as we've said that, like, you know, there were Jewish organizers there. I was also in Liverpool Street for a while. There were a lot of Jewish people there um, from a range of different organizations. Um, and, you know, it is, it's this sort of competition and this idea that you can only protect Jewish people by banning Palestinian solidarity, which is just a deeply dangerous narrative because you cannot... Jewish people will not be safe through the oppression of other people, but also I think this sort of over obsession with these with these narratives or with this not well, not these narratives with these protests um, is that you know we have hundreds and hundreds of op eds about you know Liverpool Street or or you know from the river to the sea or Free Palestine etc. And it's actually working to distract from the anti-Semitism that actually is happening in around the world in this moment, like like where Jewish people are actually potentially feeling at risk. And it's sort of it is like really conflating these two phenomena. But I also think, you know, I feel it is a very like my Jewish values and, and my sort of Jewish identity is what compels me to stand on the side of justice and freedom for all. And that, like, actually, it's very inspiring to see um, sort of this mobilization in this moment. I feel very proud of the, how many sort of progressive Jewish groups and leftist Jewish groups are sort of actually really stepping up in this moment and saying that this this won't happen in our name, that we, we stand in solidarity with, with um, the people in Gaza and also that we can hold that alongside um, the pain that a lot of us are feeling and the, the sort of, of, of people that we know directly who, are, um, who have experienced these atrocities in Israel on the set. You know, these, these ideas, we have to be able to hold all of these truths at the same time. Um, and I think the fact that you have people trying to capitalize on this moment to um, degrade and deride these protesters who are really just calling for a ceasefire. They want people to stop, they want Israel to stop bombing Gaza sort of capitalize on this moment, use Jewish fears to sort of um, attack these protests is deeply morally bankrupt, frankly. I mean, there was something that, let me just try and express this argument um, in with as much good faith as possible, basically, just so I'm not di distorting or caricaturing the argument. But but there were those who would say, look, they're obviously Jewish people are not homogenous. There are lots of diverse opinions, as there are in any minority. But Gentiles, such as myself, who oppose what Israel is doing, are in a sense seizing upon a radical tradition amongst the Jewish community, um, which isn't representative, and that's being that that's the the kind of thing which is being generally thrown around. Like, fine, this is a tradition, but it's marginal, and people like myself are kind of shouldn't you know be jumping up on on those traditions to make a wider point. I think that's the general argument I'm seeing on social media. 
I mean, I think the idea that there was any kind of representative body of Jewish people anywhere or any other community really is a is a really problematic idea. And like we know that often a lot of these representative bodies were set up by the state in the 1900s and the 1800s to try and like be like, this is our person that we talk to to hear about Jewish issues. And a lot of that, those kinds of ideas are sort of carried through to other minoritized and marginalized communities as well. But I think like so what is, what is representative, I think, is a question. But I also think that, you know, something that Peter Beinart, um, the Jewish American writer and commentator, commentator said a few few weeks ago around the sort of, if not now, Jewish Voice for Peace protests is like, yes, obviously these Jews aren't necessarily representative of their community, but that's why we'll remember them for their courage, right? Like they are the people who are standing up in this moment to say, uh, no to uh, like, uh, ceasefire now, release the hostages, liberation for all between the river and the sea. We should celebrate them. That's why they will be celebrated. And I think that you know, that's what's important in this moment. Like we need to focus on the fact that so many different communities and groups and organizations are coming together to demand a better future for people in Israel and Palestine. And that to me is so inspiring and what we should be focusing on. Um, I think it's, you know, like, I don't think it's sort of cheapening um, or sort of uh, tokenizing in that way to sort of put, like to raise up those voices of those platforms, particularly because you also see people in much more mainstream sort of, outlet sort of pointing to um you know whether it's the board of deputies or sort of mainstream Jewish communities to sort of justify their in unwillingness to call for a ceasefire to stand in solidarity with Palestinians their unwillingness to stand in solidarity with the Israelis who are saying release the hostages prisoner exchange everyone for everyone and that to me is completely unacceptable yeah, right. so you know I mean I mean that's why these conversations are so reductive because you know everyone is doing it all the time for me what we need to be focusing on is the communities and the spaces where we have these shared values and building political power to demand a ceasefire um, in Gaza and in Israel Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One, one of the things... Anti-Semitism is embedded in our culture. It goes back for 2,000 years. And it's so embedded that people can absorb, I guess, anti-Semitic ideas, concepts, tropes, imagery, without even realising it. I mean, that's, you know, people don't... Often people think the, the popular understanding of racism is someone says some overt racist abuse, when obviously that's not how racism is should be just simply reduced to, obviously. Um and that includes people in the Palestinian solidarity movement or people actually who attach themselves to the movement, not because of a sense of burning injustice, because they want the liberation of the Palestinian people, but because they hate Jewish people and that those people do exist. What's your kind of in terms of how people who advocate for Palestinian solidarity are conscious and aware 
of that and take steps to make sure that Jewish people always feel safe and secure within that movement? Yeah, I think it's a really excellent question. And I think it's something that, um, you know, Jewish people grapple with in these moments. I think also other communities and, and, and folks often also are sort of maybe uh, sort of experiencing dignity in, in organizing spaces. I think that happens to a lot of folks of color, for example. Um, so this is something that often happens to sort of marginalize or minoritize people. And, you know, I think, you know, obviously anti-Semitism is never acceptable. Like we're never going to free Palestine through anti-Semitism. I think that's like very, very clear. And I think it, that we do have to be really um, discerning between people who are very much fueled by um, anti-Jewish racism, who are fueled by this, who are using sort of Palestine as an excuse for their anti-Semitism, which does happen. And other people where like people do say or say things and aren't aware of, um, you know, what the history of that sort of comment is or also that way of thinking or, you know, um, I think and I think one of the ways we deal with that is like sometimes it's also about sticking in the movement and approaching people with good faith and, and using political education and relationship to address those things and address when that comes up. But you can't do that if you're not there. Um, and I think that, that it's thinking about anti-Semitism as a system of ideas, which I think is what is important about this idea. It's ingrained and it's therefore it can be addressed and, and understood and, and shifted. You know, systems can shift. Um, so I think that's really important. Um, and I also think that part of that piece is also resisting this conflation strategy where it's sort of like anything to do with Palestine or any kind of, sort of support for Palestine is somehow an attack on Jewish people or is, a, or is um, secretly motivated by anti-Jewish racism. We need to be able to discern between those things um, to build effective liberation movements. Um, and, I, and I do want to say as, as a Jewish person who's, who has you know, both experienced anti-Semitism and also is like very committed to these ideas. I'm also very concerned about the way that sort of Islamophobia and anti-Palestinian racism and anti-Arab racism is playing out in our discourse in this moment as well. Like, I do think there is a deep problematic idea that, you know, people are coming out to support Palestine and that sort of there is sort of a derision, particularly of people of color in this moment as well. And I just want to name that because I think that is like how we build bridges and relationships between different groups and anti-Semitism is part of the anti-racist struggle. And we have to show up for other folks too. And so that's why for me, like this whole moment is such a, it's obviously a deep, deeply shocking and distressing time. And it's just such a, it's also an opportunity to really build a better future. And I, I really believe that. Um, and that's what got me through. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a couple of, a couple of final things on that. I mean, it, it strikes me that the more that those who support this horrendous onslaught um the more public opinion actually gets quite upset and angry about it, the more the atrocities line up, the more people die, mm -hmm. the more people are killed. It seems like there's an increased attempt to delegitimize any attempt yeah. to have solidarity with the Palestinian people. Yeah, I think it's um I think it's a real it's really horrifying, I think, how like the idea of like ceasefire or just stopping bombing Gaza is all of a sudden a controversial opinion. Like I, I think it's it's very, very distressing. Um, and I think it really shows a political weakness of our political class or our political elite, like community of political, our politicians, let's call them, <clears throat> that they cannot see and take, like the, those leaders of our major parties can't see a, a, a need or a reason to take a really principled stance and that protection of life and sanctity of human life isn't the priority. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's why, I think that is why, like in sometimes in these moments, it is really important for Jewish people to turn out to these kinds of, um, whether it's marches or actions or take action themselves, because so often we are used as justification as to why politicians don't have to say things. And the idea that like, you keep me safe by bombing Gaza is completely, not like morally offensive, but also just untrue. Like it doesn't keep us safe. We know that when 
these things happen, there's also rises of anti-Semitism around the world, as I said earlier. Um, so I think it's incredibly important that we show that actually like, and you know, obviously also historically, Jewish people have been the most safe in, in thriving democracies historically. Like that is just a, a fact. Um, and we need to make sure that um, anti-Semitism is seen as part of the collective liberation movement. And I think that's fundamentally crucial. What would you say is advice to Jewish people out there who are angry about what's happening, but might feel nervous about going to a protest? Uh, it's a great question. I think one thing is there's a there's often a Jewish block and there's lots of Jewish folks organizing. Um, you know, you can put my Twitter handle if people want to DM me, for example, if people are having those questions. But, you know, Naamad, Black Jewish Alliance, um, Queer Shiva, other folks are really organizing in this moment. You can be in touch there. I think like, I think there is some work, you know, I think some of the work that I did as a, as a, as a Jewish person was to really um, unlearn a lot of the things that I learned growing up around what it meant to be safe as a Jewish person, what Jewish liberation looked like. And often that was put into a bracket of, of Israel um, and insularity and sort of, and I think what I, unlearning that and moving into a place of sort of collective liberation during struggle, during solidarity um, was such a liberating thing. Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes going to these marches and, and being around Jews and, and, and realizing that we still have community beyond perhaps what some of our communal establishment organizations want to say, um, that we actually have a place and, and that we are a part of this um, can be very um, comforting, I think, in this time, actually. Um, but I think as much as you can, if you can get involved, come to a meeting, do a training, come to an action, take part in a demo. There's always, you know, whenever there have been justice movements, there have always been Jews there. And I think that that is something that we should really hold on to. And we are here to welcome you with open arms if you choose to join us. Okay, a, a great place to end. Thank you so much to M, the brilliant M always. Always an honor to have you. you. Uh, please like and subscribe, share the message. But thank you so much and solidarity for always. Thanks, Owen. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.